0: Good morning. So when we started um, our journey together uh, in the fall, we talked about uh, the kind of overarching theme uh, for this year being This Is Us. And part of the thoughts uh, behind that was this this realization um, that every now and then we need to just kind of do a uh, a self inventory, um, inventory of uh, who we are, who God has called us to be. Sometimes that that inventory starts very personally. So remember, we started out with emotionally healthy spirituality, um, and we talked about um, how important our emotional health is to our ability to be healthy spiritually. Like that, there is no dichotomy that we can't uh, be healthy spiritually but unhealthy emotionally. That that we are not. Um, disembodied uh, folks. And because of Advent, we took some time to kind of, you know, uh, uh, to to dwell in the Advent season as we prepare for Jesus Christ. And I want us to also return back to this kind of overarching thought, um, this is us. And I felt compelled um, because of that to just spend some time, particularly over the next couple of weeks. And again, we'll do something particular for Lent, but then we'll come back to this uh, with this thought of um, like Christ. Like Christ. And we'll just journey through Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians in particular. And so I'm just going to go, you know, chapter by chapter, section by section, uh, through. Uh, Corinthians. And I'm not going to uh, skip things, which means that we will, over uh, the next couple of months, kind of journey through some difficult uh, conversations. It'll be stuff around sexuality. It'll be stuff around uh, marriage. Uh, It's just a lot of different things that Corinthians brings up uh, that I think that we will navigate um, together. And I know that sometimes, um, you know, skipping over the hard stuff is easy um, I won't give myself the easy way out which means you guys won't get the easy way out either and so um, but this this thought of being like Christ um, is what's going to center um, our journey through Corinthians and so I'm going to take a moment to pray and then we'll get started if th- is there anybody that can grab me some water or something? thank you sir let's pray, gracious and holy God we are um just thankful to be together in community um and um as we think about our work for the years, we think about um, our a congregational meeting, dear Lord, um, is this reminder that in the midst of being community, um, that we are uh, constantly called to be accountable to each other and constantly called to uh, think through just some of the the difference and sometimes difficult things that it means to be a community of believers. Um, dear Lord, we know that the spirit of unity that comes from your son Jesus Christ is stronger than anything and so we know that that will be what guides us. Um, So we are just thankful. We love you and we lift you up. In your son Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. These lyrics may be familiar to you. If they are, uh, please. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Please join in. (laughs) Sometimes I dream. That he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be. Is this, is this ringing the bell yet? I know my athletes should know this. I dream I move. I dream I groove. Like Mike. If I could be like Mike. I wanna be, I wanna be like, come on. How you, <laughs> you guys are, this was like one of the biggest commercials of the 80s, right? it it was a it was a Michael Jordan Gatorade ad right and it was like on everything i want to be i want to be like my come on oh my gosh <laughs> all right somebody somebody's trying to hide how old they are it's okay <laughs> but in the 80s Gatorade as they were endorsing uh Michael Jordan this budding superstar uh this this iconic athlete Created this like Mike ad. And this song was played incessantly over and over again to not only promote Gatorade, but also to remind us how great Michael Jordan was. And every kid who picked up a basketball in this era wanted to be like Mike. And I remember being on the playground as a kid and people would just take jump shots and it'd be like, Michael. And people, you know, he would stick his tongue out, you know, like all those different things that Michael Jordan did. And you, you want to like walk like Mike and everybody wanted to have them like Michael Jordan shoes, right? Because Michael Jordan was like so iconic to the game of basketball. He made it global, right? He made endorsement deals for athletes. I mean, like Michael changed the game in so many ways. And so like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Michael became this role model for athletes because he had this incredible work ethic. He had this incredible competitive drive. Like Mike was the theme song of the 80s and early 90s and for most folks who entered into not just basketball but most sports. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. I can admit that part of my gym shoe addiction is because of Michael Jordan. Like 80% of the shoes that I own are Michael Jordans, like Mike. And as I think about the concept of role models or, or idols or things that people shape themselves after, for the Christian, for the church, we have somebody that far exceeds Michael Jordan we have Christ. It, it is our desire, it is our goal, our mandate to be like Christ, to be shaped by Christ. And a lot of times we say it, right? Like, oh, we want to be Christ-like. But part of the reality is that a lot of times when we say it, we only want the good parts. Like, we only want the easy parts. Like, we we, we want to be like the Christ who was able to, like, turn water into wine. Right? <laughs> like, Like, we want to be like the Christ that was able to, like, walk on water and turn a couple pieces of bread and a few fish into 5,000. It's like the, like, that's the cool stuff that we think about when we think about being like Christ. We think about, like, oh, like, Christ was so loving and he did these cool miracles. But also, Christ suffered. Christ was ridiculed. And some of us have a hard time dealing with being ridiculed, right? Like Like, that's far enough. But then we think about the fact that Christ was uh, physically beaten to the point of death. And when we think about being like Christ, we are called to both aspects of it. Which means that there is a a, a certain amount of glory. There's a certain amount of of, of good uh, times that we will experience in our pursuit to be like Christ. But we are also called to suffer. And that, and that any Christian uh, life that does not experience both the glory and the suffering, the triumph and the shame, is probably an incomplete life. And if we were to write a song called "Like Christ," It will probably be composed of the lyrics that are found or the verse that is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 11, when it says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We are both called to the cross and to the glory in our pursuit of being like Christ. And, brothers and sisters, part of the realization is that being like Christ is not easy. And ultimately, we cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit uh, shaping us and guiding us. And as we are called together as a church to be like Christ, to pursue this mission, the reality, brothers and sisters, is that it is hard. That it, it, it's not easy. And just like Cars, over time, need will alignments. I believe the church also needs alignments, a spiritual alignment, because sometimes our human nature allows us to get off track. So as we journey into 1 Corinthians, Paul, I believe, for the same reason, writes this letter because he sees a church that has gotten off track. It's first important to remember that this epistle, this epistle, this letter is just that. It's a letter. It it was not written with the intent to be a part of the Bible. What this was, was a private letter written by the founder of the churches that he had established. And after he had gotten word that they were no longer living into the mission, they were called. He decided to write this letter to let them know, hey, you guys are not looking like the church. That you were created to be. Paul writes this letter as both um, a person who knows them personally. He he knows their capacity and their ability. He has seen them at work. But he also knows that they, they, they are better than what they are doing. And he believes that if they can unite around shared recognition of call to each other. If they can remember who gave them what they have and then recommit themselves to fellowship with Christ, that this church could once again be the church that it was meant to be. I believe that this letter serves as a reminder and a cautionary tale for the church universal and us here of what can happen when Christ isn't the center of everything that we do. Because we cannot be like Christ if Christ is not our focal point. We cannot embark on the mission of Christ if Jesus isn't the center of everything that we do. And I know that this sounds a little simple and it might even sound insulting to say in the midst of a church. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, Christ will be on the back burner. Sometimes our, our mission and our agenda takes president and even though we embark on these things to do good things in the name of Jesus Christ oftentimes the good things that we do are not the God things that we're called to and sometimes there's a difference so Paul writes this letter and the first thing that I believe we see in verses 1 through 3 is this I'm going to read them again it says Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and our brothers, to the church of God and to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul begins uh, this letter, there's a couple things that you see are extremely important to Paul in these very three, first three verses. Uh, Paul has a very strong sense of call. For Paul, the, the recognition of call was extremely important. That You see first the recognition of call for himself and to his mission. Paul very much wrestled with the fact that his call came a little bit different from the other apostles. The other apostles had had the, the, the benefit of, of sleeping with Jesus and eating with Jesus and being a very part, a big part of his earthly ministry. Paul received this call a little bit differently on his way uh, to Damascus. And because of that, Paul often found himself reminding folks that just like Peter and John and the other apostles, he too was called by God. And so this idea of call was extremely important. And if we think about call, we we define call as a strong inner impulse toward a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. In other words, Paul was drawn to the mission of Jesus Christ because of the Holy Spirit inside of him. And in that same way, many of us are called to service. We, we 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 might want to, you know, make these big, you know, elaborate stories about why it is that we serve. But ultimately, it comes down to us responding to the Holy Spirit inside of us, compelling us to give of ourselves in service to the mission. And so that is what Paul did. And so he starts this letter by reminding folks, just in case you forgot, I am an apostle called by God. But then he also reminds them that the church was called to be a holy people. He says to the church of God in Corinth, that those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people is this reminder again that the church in and of itself didn't just come together by happenstance, but the church came together in response to the Holy Spirit to be a people who were set apart for the purpose of the gospel mission in the world. And that we must remember at all times that our call to be together is the call for us to live as people who don't live like the rest of the world lives. And by living differently and living uh culturally we are being set apart to show the world what it means to respond to the Creator. And so this idea of call was not just important to Paul's individual mission, but it was also a reminder of the importance of call to the local church. But then he goes on to say this. He says, uh, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And so there's this reminder that not only is there a sense of this individual call, but then there's a sense of local communal call. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then there's this universal call. Because we constantly have to and need to be reminded that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And that we are a part of something bigger as a church that's bigger than the church. And that our church and our denomination is a part of something bigger than the denomination. Because it reminds us. That in those moments when we start to kind of get full of ourselves and think that we are the end-all, the be-all, or that what we have going on is more important than something else, that there's a bigger overarching vision. And that we are a part of that overarching vision that the world saw lived out through Jesus Christ. To change and transform the world and reconnect the world to God, our creator. And that in those moments when, when things get difficult or in those moments when we lose our way, that we have to be reminded that when we are off course, we are affecting the larger vision and the larger mission of God in the world. And so what Paul is doing from the very outset of this letter is reminding them of this bigger call that they have as a church to be formed and shaped and guided by the image of Jesus Christ. And church, the reminder that we have to have every day when we wake up is that everything that we do needs to be shaped and formed to the image of Jesus Christ in the world because we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's pretty big. Because whether we want to accept it or not, there are non-believers who look at us and are deciding how they engage with faith because of the way that we live out our faith. That there there are non-believers who are gaining their understanding or their first impressions of who God is by the way that we as individuals and the way that the church lives out our faith. And when, and, and, and when you wake up in the morning and you remind yourself that somebody through my life, will either be drawn closer to or pushed further away from God is kind of a sobering thing. Yeah. Yeah. When, we, when we walk into the, the church house on Sunday and Wednesday and Tuesday for Bible studies and for worship services and things of that nature, understanding how our shared worship experience can either draw someone closer or push someone further away from God, is pretty sobering. when we we think about how we gather together and we we embark on our mission and and we strategize and we talk through what God has called us to and then we go back together as a faith community into the world around us, that how we embark on our mission either draws folks closer or pushes them further away. And so, in these first three verses, Paul was doing something extremely powerful because what comes in the rest of the leather is pretty tough. And so he starts off by reminding them how important their call is to each other. Their call is to God and their call is to the mission. Brothers and sisters, one of the most important things that we can do is constantly keep the call in front of us. Because when we lose sight of the call, then we lose sight of the mission. I think about my own journey. And and and, and, and I have to always remind myself, even in those deep, difficult times that the call is bigger than me. Because when things get difficult, and I say this often, we like to resort to what's comfortable. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I'm black. (laughs) (laughs) And I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a black neighborhood, I grew up in black churches. Went to a high school that was all black. Um, you would think that the college that I well the first when I went to Northern, for every reason, like the dorm I was in, like all the black folks stayed on the same floors. right? Like my life, experientially and culturally, was black. And then I get to seminary. Get to North Park. <laughs> and my life is not so black anymore. And, and not only is it just not black, but then there's this whole Swedish culture and I'm like, what the? <laughs> Like, what in the world is this? And it was extremely transformational. And then I began to struggle with this idea that God wasn't calling me back to the black church that I had grown up loving that has shaped me spiritually that has shaped so much of my life and it was kind of like Lord what are you what are you doing and and, and it was even funny because like I got joke with my wife that I felt like from like 2008 like my life just kept getting like whiter and whiter and whiter right <laughs> <laughs> Cause like at least like when I was at North Park, like the community around North Park was pretty diverse. So it was still like, you know, some diversity there. Even though the seminary was predominantly white, but it was like the neighborhood, and you had like all these different like ethnic restaurants. So there was some like diversity, but then he like sent us to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> right? At at first covenant church in St. Paul. I mean, so like not just a covenant church, it was like one of the first covenant churches. Like You don't get more Swedish than that, right? (laughs) And, And when stuff got difficult, I was like, well, maybe, maybe I can go back to the south side. Maybe, you know, I can go back to where things were comfortable for me. But 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 because of this this sense of call that I had on my life, it was this constant reminder, like, no, Leslie, it's not about you. For whatever reason, God has chosen you to do this thing that is difficult, that is hard, that is uncomfortable. But the realization is that I think that God is was using me to do something difficult and uncomfortable because He is calling the church to do something difficult and uncomfortable. And how can you Lead a mission and serve a mission that is calling people to be difficult and to, to go into uncomfortable spaces if you yourself don't understand what it means to be uncomfortable and step outside of your comfort zone. Because part of the reason that call is so important is that if we... Don't have a strong sense of call to God and to each other, we won't have the perseverance that it takes to navigate the difficulty of living out our faith in a world that stands opposed to the mission of God. It, it, if it wasn't, if not for this strong sense of call, when we see the difficulty, uh, difficult things that God calls us to, it's easy to just turn and run away, right? It's, it's easy to just kind of put it to the side and try to embark on something else. But if you've ever been called to anything in your life, whether it was a job or a church or a marriage, amen, or or singleness, amen, right? If you've ever been called to anything in your life, you recognize the difficulty of living it out. And if not for this this surety and sense of call, the ability to navigate it becomes almost impossible. Paul was challenging the Corinthian church to remember the call because the corrections that he was going to have to make to their shared life together was going to be difficult. He does one other thing. Verses 4 through 7, he does this. He says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace, giving you in Christ Jesus, For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech, and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. One of the things that I think that this verse is reminding us of is that the gifts that God has given each and every one of us to use in pursuit of his mission first and foremost are God-given. But they also become our witness to the world. Because not only do people watch how we live, but they watch how we live the God-given talents that we have. What Paul was doing was reminding the Corinthian church because what we will find out is some of what was starting to happen in the church was this this infighting because they were trying to decide whose gifts were better. Right? So 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 person A would say, Well, I speak in tongues. And if you were familiar with, with, with chapter thirteen when it says you speak in the tongue of angels of men but have not love, you have nothing. So he 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 what you will see was that like oh I speak in tongues, so I'm better than you. Or 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 I'm the preacher, like I, I, I can craft these really amazing sermons. Or or I'm the I'm the greatest vocalist alive. There there was this infighting in the church centered around gifts. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, when we are not focused on Christ, we can kind of smell ourselves a little bit too much and forget that every gift that we have was God-given. And so he, he, he was reminding him in his, in his very literary, uh, genius type of way that, hey, like, not only are you called to each other and restoring in the sense of call, but also saying, like, hey, the very things that you are fighting over and creating division over aren't even yours to begin with. So, so while you're fighting over who, who can have communion and who can't, while you're fighting over who's better because they, they have this gift and this other person doesn't, or maybe some person has multiple gifts, none of it is yours in the first place. And so there was a, a, a spiritual realignment happening. Paul was kind of putting these things in perspective so that they would be in the right frame of mind to start having some of these difficult conversations that he needed to have it it was this this reminder that we were called together by Christ for the mission of Christ in the world and and the gifts and the tools that we have to pursue this mission were given to us by Christ and so how and so how dare we Use our gifting and use our call to do anything other than glorify God. The reality is sometimes we, we do it. He ends it by saying in verse 9, he says this. He says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. What I appreciate about Paul is that even though what comes in the following chapters is strong rebuke, he takes his time to remind them of their relationship to him. Their relationship to each other. Their relationship to God. It is is this powerful reminder that even as they err, God is sustaining them. And calling them to be better. Because in their mistakes. He's not doing away with the church. And saying church you are no more. What he is saying remember me. So that you can remember what I called you to. I think one of the most important things to take away from this. Like I said earlier. Is that any and all of us at some point. Need a spiritual realignment. None of us has a perfect walk all of the time. And even in the midst of doing good things in the name of Christ, we can lose sight of the God things that Christ is calling us to. This letter both serves as a reminder and a cautionary tale of what happens when we gather for the right reasons but lose sight of who called us together. So over the next couple of weeks as we journey Through Corinthians, let us be unified around this thought, like Christ, because we are called to be like Christ in the glory and in the sorrow, in the success and in the suffering. We are called to be like Christ. In the turning of water into wine and the dying on the cross, we are called to be like Christ. And that we are better together when we are centered on Christ. So as we begin to wrap up, I want to share with you um, our word, the word that I feel God calling us to as a congregation for the year. Now, I'm a little upset. Because I had this word on my heart for a couple months. This word has been in my heart. And then the denomination decides and goes to, like, I don't know if any of you all follow the denomination much. But we had this uh, conference called Chick Covenant High in Christ. And they just renamed it Unite. And I'm so upset because that was the word. So maybe they're in the spirit like I am. Because... They had the same. But I, I, I feel the spirit placing on my heart this 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 image of unite this unity. And it's this reminder that in this season that we need to come together, center on our call in Christ. There's fighting in the world around us. There's fighting in our community. There's fighting all over the place. But the place that there cannot be fighting is in God's church. Because people are looking to us to see how we navigate the difficulty of the world around us. So as you all write out your words for the year, uh, what will be your guiding principle? The guiding principle for us this year will be to unite. Unite around our call in Jesus Christ. Because we come together together As a diverse group of people, different ages, different generations, different ethnic backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different parts of the city, different parts of the, the world. But God has called all of us here to pursue this mission. You may have thought you just stumbled here Maybe it was the closest church to your house or maybe, you know, a friend invited you. But you were being compelled and called by the Holy Spirit to be a part of this body of believers to serve the mission of God in our world. So unite. Naperville Evangelical Covenant Church, we are united in call, united in mission, united in love, united In Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen.